<clears throat> All right. Um, who remembers Marto's message last week? I was actually impressed by the use of um, objects again. I actually remembered the message for the first time. I don't know. Well, no, that's not true. But um, using things like the word of God as like what the uh, food and a light and a sword. And I thought, the only reason I remember that is because he did objects. So I thought, oh, I'm going to do the same thing. Um, so, uh, Sondi actually asked me to do uh, something on apologetics, um, which is something I did a lot of um, when I was doing music full-time in clubs and pubs and everything else. And, um, um, and first, he also asked... I, I, I suppose I need to do a disclaimer about apologetics as well, because um, I used to think that if you could just prove to someone that God exists, they'll become a Christian. I don't know if you've ever thought of that. And I had this hero apologist called Ravi Zacharias. I don't know if you guys ever heard of him, um, but I used to think if everyone heard Ravi Zacharias, they would become a Christian because he's, he was so good at the defense of the existence of God and all these sort of things. But um, having tried that out in the club world for so long, um, I started to realize that... Um, Facts aren't that important to humans in the end, depending on, especially rebellious humans, like, we're more interested in our feelings than facts. And um, uh, you can see this straight away in the, uh, in the with, with uh, Jesus rises from the dead. You've got these two soldiers sitting on the tomb, on the rocket, you know, guarding the front of it. Next thing, it gets blown out of the way. They're half blinded. He, he's this dead man is living and they run off to the to the uh to the religious leaders and tell them the facts of what happened and what's the response um he hears some money tell people that his disciples stole the body you see you you know what i mean like if the if your will is wrong it doesn't matter what facts you present to people they're actually not really interested they're what they're interested in is what they already want to believe in so this can only work apologetic serves as something that can be um, sort of interesting and encouraging, but it's not going to save anyone. So, um, uh, and I used to see this all the time. The one I used to love, argument I used to love having in clubs and stuff was people who think truth is relative because you can always beat a relativist because they say truth is relative and you go, does that include that statement? Because if that's true, then it's false. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? And all, they can't win it. It was almost fun knowing that they were going to lose it. And then, so you'd win this argument with them and then the response would come out most of the time was, I'm still not going to do it. See, that's really the issue is your will. It's not really facts. We're, we're, and that's where you've got to probably center on and realize, do I want to hear truth? You know, that's the big thing. Um, so with that in mind, um, here's some of the things I used to... Um, this particular example I used to use actually at the rehab as well as um, on a few people in the pub. Um, and... Um, yeah, sometimes people, you know, some people did respond. So, but anyway, um, in the spirit of what we did last week, I'll use some illustrations. All right. Okay. I just drew this. You impressed? That could be actually, unfortunately, that could make it into the modern art world quite easily and uh, probably win a prize, but um, I think I'll do this with it. So, does anyone have any problem with that? No? No one's crying? No? No. 
Okay, what about this one? What do you think of that? Yes, it's even better. But what if I do this? Anyone got any problems with that? No, no one's got any problems. What if I did this? What if instead of knocking up those two things, I drew this? Can everyone see it? Does everyone know what it is? Mona Lisa, right? You can't really see it? So if I did that just then, very quickly, and could I still do this with it? Yeah, could. Um, do, do I have a right to trash these? So if I do, I, do I have a right, if I drew the other one, to trash that as well? No one can say a thing against that. Um, have I done anything wrong? Do you see anything wrong with doing that? Just imagine the Mona Lisa's in here as well, but I did it and not Michelangelo. Just imagine it's in the bin. It's got no problem with it. When would it be wrong? When it would be wrong is if Dave here, after I drew my... my um, why is it that stick men are always naked but the ladies get the dress off? Anyway, what if he come up to me and said... Um, I don't like your naked stick men. And just as I showed you that, he ripped it up and put it in the bin. You would instantly go, you can't do that. Why can't he do it? Because he didn't make it. Can you see how there's this weird power that I get? If I drew another picture here, I could do it again. And no one here can say anything uh, that, that you can't walk up there, pull it off. Or you could, but you would just go, that's wrong. You can't do that. It's the same with... Um, it's the same with this. This is a, a CD I, a, I produced and, uh, with Wayne, wherever he is. Wayne's not here. Recovering from last night's gig. Okay. <laughs> um, this is a CD that I played on and produced with Wayne about 10 or so years ago. And I use these as coasters now. <laughs> okay. And it, it wasn't a complete... It, you know, it got the attention of a big producer and I, I got a trip to the States out of it and everything. So I had a good time with it, but... Again, I can, I can do this. Making a mess. Thank you. I can do that. And, and, and there's no problem. I've done nothing morally wrong. Um, see, here's the thing is, what you're looking at is the power of a creator. Wherever this happens, that power it belongs to a creator. It's the same with... Um, um, uh, an artist who writes something. I remember when I found out that, because uh, I'm a big, massive C.S. Lewis fan, and when I found out that he threw out a lot of his manuscripts, I'm going, no, you can't do that. It's C.S. Lewis. And he, but he can. I can't actually say it's wrong. And they found it when they were cleaning out his stuff. He destroyed a lot of stuff. But no one can say... Everyone can be disappointed, but they can't say what C.S. Lewis did was wrong because it's his manuscript. No one can say anything. So you can't destroy that he can that's just the writer it's a creator right now here's the here's the scary question um creator power is real and it's moral see i've done nothing morally wrong this morning you know you can't say anything to me that i can't can't do that um and the creator has sovereign rights over what is created you saw that demonstrated now here's the big thing did you 
here's the, here's the question where it gets us. Did you create yourself? See, now there's only two categories in existence when it comes to reality. There's created stuff and there's the creator. Now, if you just said we fit into the created category, you've just entered the world of my pictures. Do you, do you see what I'm talking about? If you didn't make yourself, that is you. You are in that position that those pictures are in. So I can either hang them up or I could tear them up. And there's nothing you can do to appeal to anything because they're mine. Just the nature of, the, of, the, um, uh, of being a creator. Now, if you didn't create, um, you didn't make you and neither did your parents. Humans don't know how to make babies. So before you get really freaked out, I did go to this school, by the way. Um, but think about this. Here's some facts. Life only comes through us, not from us. Louis Pasteur said, only life comes from life. So, uh, so this is trying to understand, you know, we might naturally think, oh, we come from our parents. But you think about this. When, you're, when your mother was pregnant with you, she didn't sort of get up one morning and go, I want complete silence today. I've, I've got to make some legs. And I've got to make a heart. And I've got to make eyes and bones and... Something else is... Any mother will tell you something else is going on. She doesn't know how to make a baby. Something else is doing it. And here's the other crazy thing. If, if your mother refused to eat while she was pregnant with you, you wouldn't exist either, which technically makes us just the dust of the earth. Because isn't it true that all food, matter and everything just eventually goes to dust? She's essential. What we are essentially made of and what formed you in the beginning was her eating. Because if you didn't, you wouldn't be here. And I'm astounded at often, um, even secular TV shows, I saw this, there's this one video that the BBC put out called The Miracle of Life, and they had, it was all about the unexplained miracle of how life forms. You know, like they, they had the scientists there, and they see the, 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 the one cell, and then it divides into two, and divides into four, divides into 16. And they're looking at it, and using all these words like miracle and stuff, even though they're trying to give all the credits to evolution for it, if that's your, you can't use the word miracle if you're a materialist. It's not in your vocab. You're not allowed to use it because it's a miraculous word. Um, and that's that when we follow the chain, if only life comes from life, there's a back point where life had to come from the ultimate source of life. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? We didn't make ourselves and neither did our parents. Remember, life comes through us, not from us. Now, this little particular thing is a, I suppose, is, is an apologetic for two things. First of all, if you don't believe in God, you've got to, can you find meaning in, in um, the evolutionary process for your life? You'll get, you'll get nothing from it. But for the Christian, it can help serve to help you actually, the Bible's got lots of scriptures talking about the fear of God. You know, like the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And all through the New Testament, there's, references to the fear of God. Now, fear is something you can't fake. And I've always had struggled with... Um, when you sort of do selective reading of the New Testament, you can turn Jesus into a sandal-wearing hippie who's got no problem with anyone. That, that you, you can. If you just read bits that you like, you can, you can create your own sort of Jesus. How, I, I just can't fear that guy. I just, there's nothing in me that... I can't even fake it. So when the Bible's talking about fear of God, what does that mean? 
I think it's deeply connected to this issue. And it gets back to something C.S. Lewis made famous, and it's the principle of first and second things. See, Jesus is not just your redeemer. Before he could be our redeemer, he was first our creator. See, um, creative power is a, is a fearful thing. Now, being our redeemer shows us and helps us believe in his mercy when you look at the cross. But being our creator can help us generate a true, proper fear of God, realizing that he is a creator, first of all, and he never loses that title on anything here on this earth. He owns that forever. This is his show. Reality, he owns it. So no matter what you want to appeal to, you say, that's not right, he can't do that. Well, just like my picture, remember, you are this piece of paper. Everything is. Now, that thinking on that, as well as the cross, can help make join you to truly appreciate both his mercy and also his incredible power. He actually, he brings things into existence. So the second little thing that I've got here is, is this. Who, who doesn't know what this is? <laughs> Dave, shame, shame. Um, I, know, I know Hal Hopper, I just saw there, knows what it is because he probably helped me make it. No, I did. no, we oversaw it actually. This is from when I was an apprentice. I think it was from third year. Um, so I brought this into existence. Without me, this could not be here. Now, here's, here's the other interesting fact. So I am its creator. So, so not only do creators have an incredible right to the power of existence, they also have an incredible right to the question of why. See, I could, take, I could put on a board here and show you how I made this and you're still no better off um, showing you the equipment I made it on the big question is if I don't tell Dave he doesn't know what this is why it exists he's going to misuse it do you, do you see what I mean? He, he, he doesn't know what it is now I made this to hold an 8 mil centre drill that's why it exists Dave's going to say what's a centre drill? <laughs> Um, it's a part in a lathe. So that's why this exists. I have the right to that. Dave may think he knows if I gave it to him to play with for a while and he goes, oh, I think it's a hammer. He'll, he'll wreck it. See, the creators not only have this power to make things exist, they also own the copyright on why. Now, here's the thing. Um, when it comes to the question of why... Science plays a lot with the hows, but they, they can never provide you with a why anything exists. And you would agree that the most important question is not finding out how this was made, it's finding out why it's made, because that's only when it fulfills its meaning. It actually can't fit any other size than an 8 mil center drill. That's it. You can try and put a 3.8 in this or a, or a, or a 9 mil or a or a, an 8.5, it's not going to work. It only fits an 8 mil center drill. That's it. You can't force any other process on that. That's why it was made. And it only works properly when it's doing that. Now, I don't know if you guys, when iPads first come out, um, there was this clip that was on YouTube about, um, that had this, like, this, like, this, this daughter and a father in the kitchen, and she's talking to a father about the iPad 
have you guys seen this one? She's going, did you get the iPad I bought? She goes, yes, yes, it's wonderful, like that. And he's, they're working in the kitchen, and she's going through all the, the iPad things, you know, and asking more questions. And at the end, he, he, was, uh, he comes over the sink, and he puts it under the water, and he was chopping up a fish on it. Did anyone ever see that one? And he's like, she's asking me all this, how do you like your new iPad? He's loving it. He's saying, oh, it's great, like that. And he's, he's using it as a chopping board. That's because he doesn't know why it exists. You, you, you know what I mean? It's not just a matter of finding out how we could have... That guy could have gone to the Apple factory and saw how the whole thing was put together. But if he doesn't know why it exists, he's going to use it to cut his fish on. Now, you can start to see that humans can actually fall in that category. Do you think that we misuse ourselves and others because we're not consulting where do we come from who made us so ultimately science can only address how but in the end why is what matters most there may be some answers to how things work but science offers us absolutely nothing to why anything exists at all it's totally out of its league so when we worship scientists as thinking that they are the the the, the, the keys to the universe, they will never ever offer you one single thing of why you exist. And in the end, that is the most important any question any human being can ask. Just like it's the most important thing we can ask of any object. Why is this here? So, and the other intriguing thing is why do we want to know why? That's not a science question. The desire to know why you ever thought about that? Why do we want to know why? And again, I think it's the drive for meaning. So here's the big question. And believe it or not, we're getting near the end. Diff made a bet that I couldn't do this in 15 minutes and I reckon I'm going to prove him wrong. Um, why do you exist? See, reality tells us um, we have this deep, mysterious inner drive to find out Authors. Now you think about this. When you hear a piece of music you like, what's the next question you ask? Who, who wrote it? Who sung it? What, why do you do that? Why don't, no, just be content just to listen to the music and not find out anymore. Why is the drive to know who wrote it? You do this with a picture you like. If you see a piece of art you like, what is the next thing you do? You look for, well, the name of the artist. You can't help yourself. It's just, it's inbuilt in us to find origin. You just can't touch, shut this thing off. Um, this happened with me with C.S. Lewis, another guy called Peter Kraft, who's a, the, the best C.S. Lewis scholar by far. And he was reading C.S. Lewis's um, uh, message, the, the Weight of Glory. And the last two paragraphs, I just said to myself, I don't know who this author is, but I'm going to find out. His, his writing, so in my bookshelf at home, I've got autobiographies of C.S. Lewis. I, I have most of his works there because I needed to find out the name of whoever wrote that, I've got to find out who did it. Do you know what I mean? This, this drive does not shut down. And it certainly doesn't shut down even when it comes to us. I've, there's a number of to t shows on television. There's one on again yesterday of these stories of people who were adopted and then they want to find their mother or their father. And this drive takes them all over the world. What is this thing that wants to find out who is involved with you being here? You can't turn it off. And it makes incredible stories. Um, this one yesterday was amazing, the way that this person finally tracked down his mother. Now, this drive is not 
gives us a clue. The fact that we want to do this with, say, with our parents, what does it say ultimately? See, we were designed to know the source of where we come from. We can't shut it off. Now, God has creator rights to you, so he also has the rights to, your, to why you exist. And this is the thing where, just to sum it up simply, why do you exist is to know the source of life and redemption. That's why you're here. It's like um, the same drive that you would want to know, where did I come from with you, in, in the example of your parents? Chase that up further. Why does anything exist at all? And this is where you find yourself. You can answer the why question with your existence and not misuse yourself by finding where the source of where you come from, which is, which is God. It's going to end up there. Remember Louis Pasteur saying, only life comes from life. So if you keep chasing this and following up, you're going to end up at a life source. And there's only one being that fits it. It's supernatural. This is where you arrive at the God question that no one can escape here. So if you are a Christian... You can be encouraged by this. Use the apologetics of it to develop a fear of a true right fear of God with understanding his mercy that he, as a creator, he can do stuff like this. And no one can, can um, uh, call him to a, an account to a higher thing. He is it. He, he is, we are the pitchers. And that should invoke a, to, a right type of fear. If you're not a Christian, you should start to be, I suppose, more honest with where life comes from. The fact that um, materialist, uh, materialistic evolution cannot give you meaning and yet you want it. So where does that come from? It just seriously does not fit. And like I said, I've had that many discussions with people in, um, in clubs and stuff over the years on this very topic and not one of them, even the ones that were lawyers out of it, could get an answer to this because it's not going to be there. So um, start to investigate this if you aren't a Christian and start to chase this down. But chase it down honestly because um, meaning is deadly important to you, even if you're faking it, that you say you don't care. Everyone does. Um, so anyway, that's the end of this little apologetics thing. So if you can remember things, just remember the objects and, um, and, uh, yeah, and use it to, um, you like encourage, you know, to encourage your faith. But I understand too that um, at the end of this, that the source of life which which we all desperately need to know, is also the source of our redemption. You, don't need to, you need to fear God's creative power, which he rightfully owns, but rejoice in his redemptive power, which he's, he has lavished on all of us. Those are two true things, and they're true at the same time. That's the trouble with, I suppose, us I suppose scientifically-minded people. We can't deal with paradoxes much anymore. And God is both those things. And you can actually be in love with his mercy and and have a correct theory at exactly the same time. You don't have to choose one and say, I'm going to do this one. And that's, I think, is the trouble with a lot of what's going wrong with the, with the church. They just concentrate on the hippie Jesus and not realise that, hey, he was a creator to start with. And that's something you can never shake.